Upon it sat a shape, black-mantled, huge and threatening. A crown of steel he bore, but between rim and robe naught was there to see, save only a deadly gleam of eyes. The Lord of the Nazgul. To the air he had returned, summoning his steed ere the darkness failed, and now he was come again, bringing ruin, turning hope to despair, and victory to death. A great black mace he wielded. Well, hey guys, I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. And together, we are, of course, Keep, Keep On, on Tolkien. And uh, today we've got a special guest, a third person here with us. A third person, a reoccurring character, Trevor. Hey, everybody. The Trevor Art continues. Yeah, our good friend Trevor's here. Happy to be here. And this is, of course, if, you keep in, if you're keeping track at home, this is the mid-season finale for season five. That's right, folks. Yeah, we're cutting our season five and a half just to allow us to space things out and give you some more quality episodes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is going to be our mid-season finale today, and uh, our subject for today's episode is the Witch King. Witch King now? The Witch King. Yeah, that's what I'm asking you. Witch King? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's what I'm asking. Yeah, Witch King. Wh- yeah, the Witch King. Witch, witch King? Witch? Witch? Wait, which king? Wait, I'm not, <laughs> there's a lot of kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abbott and Costello, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little uh, who's on first? Who's on first? Look it up. If you if if you Zoomers out there have never heard of, <laughs> like Trevor here, who had never heard of Abbott and Costello, check it out. Okay, see, I got that joke. That one didn't go over my head. We're old. Yeah, I know, I know. Because you know Abbott and Costello. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you appreciate the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So today, we're talking about the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leader of the Nazgul? Yes. Yes, sir. The Ring Wraiths. The Ring Wraiths. Yeah, Sauron's second in command throughout the Second and Third Ages. And he's known to be nearly indestructible, a terrifying warrior, and a cunning strategist. Don't they call the Nazgul like the ultimate hunters? Oh, yeah, dude. And he's their leader. Yeah. So let's go over a few uh, a few names and titles for the Witch King. Some of these I didn't know, and they're kind of cool. Yeah, so a, a couple of his names. Uh, we have Dwimmerlake. That's Rohiric for a work of necromancy or specter. He's also called the Lord of the Nazgul, uh, Lord of Minas Morgul. Of course, Chief of the Nine, the Wraith Lord, the High Nazgul, the Lord of Morgul, the Captain of Despair, the Lord of Carrion, number one, and the Black Captain. The Black Captain. I think he's actually, throughout the novel, I think he might be more frequently referred to as the Black Captain. Yeah, a lot. He was referred to the Black Captain a lot. So let's get into the origins of this uh, spooky ookiest of the spooky character. Yeah, he is certainly the spookiest of the ookiest. Ookiest of the ookiest, guys. So if we want to talk about the Witch King, we got to go back to about mid-Second Age and Witch- talk about uh, Sauron a little bit. Witch King now? <laughs> all right guys so back in second age year 1500 this is when the elven smiths and oregon begin forging the rings of power right and those were known as the goithy mirdan right the people of the jewel smiths that like smithing cult or whatever that caliber yeah they were crazy smiths 
And in uh, 100 years later, in SA 1600, this is when Sauron forges the One Ring in Mount Doom. Yeah, yeah. And sometime after the sack of Regian in Second Age 1697, Sauron seized the Rings of Power and gave them to Manish kings, sorcerers, and other warriors. Yeah, he's just kind of dishing them out. The Manish. That's yeah, it. sorcerers, warriors, all sorts of spooky-ooky folks. What, what is a Manish? Manish is a dude. Yeah, yeah, so just not elf, not dwarf, but Manish. Yeah. Oh. Human. Well, not even a Dane, yeah. I think just it just means human, basically. A Tani is the umbrella there term. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the Tolkien term. <laughs> yes, the Atani, of course. So little is actually known of these men. Uh, not much is known of their previous earthly lives, except that over the coming centuries, they prospered as their power and their wealth and their mortal lifespans all were extended under the corrupt influence of their rings. And the only certainty is that they eventually, they all slipped into the shadow world and became Nazgul, the ring wraiths. Enslaved wholly to the will of Sauron. Yeah, so we've got a little excerpt about the Ringwraiths here from the Silmarillion of the Rings of Power and the Third Age, read by Danny. Men proved easier to ensnare. For those who used the Nine Rings became mighty in their day, kings, sorcerers, and warriors of old. They obtained glory and great wealth, yet it turned to their undoing. They had, as it seemed, unending life, yet became, but yet life became unendurable to them. They could walk if they would, unseen by all eyes of this world beneath the sun, and they could see things in worlds invisible to mortal men. But too often they beheld only the phantoms and delusions of Sauron. And one by one, sooner or later, according to their native strength, and to the good or evil of their wills in the beginning, they fell under thraldom of the ring that they bore and under the dominion of the one which was Sauron's. And they became forever invisible save to him that wore the ruling ring and they entered into the realm of shadows. The Nazgul they were, the ring wraiths, the enemy's most terrible servants. Darkness went with them and they cried with the voices of death. Metal as fuck. Yeah, dog. I always love how well I thought that uh, they captured the Ringwraith scream in the films. Yeah. I thought it was pretty It's perfect. just terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere between like a wail and a, you know, a deathly scream. Yeah, I, I had an old uh, brass sink in my basement that made that <laughs> noise when you turned on the water. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, it was funny. Sink to put fear into the hearts of men. Yeah, for real. Yeah, so... Being the most powerful of the Nazgul, the Witch King emerged as their chief, and he was the most feared servant of their master, Sauron. And he would serve Sauron as the commander of his army, and the true identity of the Witch King is unknown, but he was probably one of the unnamed three lords of Numenor to take some of the rings of power that were given to men. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about who the Witch King could be a little later. Yeah, let's get into weapons and abilities, dude. Abilities. The Witch King has all the abilities that the other Nazgul have, and more. Plus some. Um, yeah. Yeah, so despite uh, being unable to see, the Nazgul were known to be the ultimate hunters. They had amazing senses. They can't see? Really? Yeah, they're blind. They're, yeah, they're freaking blind, man. That's why they sniff. I think it has to do with the fact that they're like in the wraith world. Yeah, they can't really see in our realm. Oh, so they kind of exist in both at once. Right, exactly. Right. That's why when Frodo puts the ring on, he can he see can them see better. see them clearly. Super cool. 
Um, so we've got an excerpt about the Ring Wraiths and a little bit about about their powers, read by Mr. Trevor. Yeah, yeah. And what's this from? This is from The Fellowship of the Ring, book one, chapter 11, A Knife in the Dark. This great chapter. Where the black horses can see, and the riders can use men and other creatures as spies, as we found at Bree. They themselves do not see the world of light as we do, but our shapes cast shadows in their minds, which only the noon sun destroys. And in the dark they perceive many signs and forms that are hidden from us. Then they are most to be feared. And at all times they smell the blood of living things, desiring and hating it. Senses, too, there are other than sight or smell. We can feel their presence. It troubled our hearts. As soon as we came here, and before we saw them, they feel ours more keenly. Also, he added, and his voice sank to a whisper, The ring draws them. Ooh. Yeah, I always forget about that. They're constantly drawn to the presence of the ring. Yeah, so the the wraiths have some unseen powers other than normal senses, like we just talked about. But also, according to letter 210 from the letters of J.R. Tolkien, quote, the Witch King, their leader, is more powerful in all ways than the other Nazgul. And in The Return of the King... Put in command by Sauron, he's given an added demonic force. Upgrade. Yeah. And according to note one in chapter four of the Unfinished Tales, quote, the black captain himself was the most able to perceive the presence of the ring, end quote. In the same chapter of that Unfinished Tales, it states that all except the Witch King were apt to stray when alone by daylight, and all, again save the Witch King, feared water, and were unwilling, except in dire need, to enter it or to cross streams unless dryshod by a bridge. Yeah, and that also also in that same chapter it states that, quote, at the ford of Borinan, only the Witch King and two other Nazgul, with the lure of the ring straight before them, had dared to enter the river. The others were driven into it by Glorfindel and Aragorn with their flaming torches. Airier than water. Yeah. Yeah, so some fun facts about the Witch King. I didn't know that. I also didn't know that the Nazgul were prone to straying off during the daylight. Yeah, they just kind of wander around during the daylight. They just kind of become like wisps. <sighs> yeah, so let's touch on some of his weapons now, because yeah, he's yeah. got an arsenal, you know. He sure does. At his disposal. Let's first get into that fiery broadsword. How about that? Yeah, I think that's what he's most known for. That's yeah. explicitly mentioned in the books, and uh, it's you know heavily featured in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking cool. I love in the movie when he whips it out, and they did that effect on the sword where rather than flames running up the sword yeah, they, they like, like they reversed the, the film yeah. so it was like flames running down into the sword yeah she's dope that was really fucking cool gotta love that film yeah but he also he's a mace wielder as well and this mace could shatter shields or kill enemies in a single swing in the films though the witch king uses the flail instead of the mace that's right yes right or also known as i've heard him called morning stars as well okay yeah yeah he's also got that infamous morgul blade that he uses to stab frodo stab stab damn in the video game, The Lord of the Rings, The Battle for Middle-Earth 2, the Witch King is featured using a steel scepter, appearing as a small trident. That's pretty cool. I had actually never heard that before. That sounds pretty sweet. I've never played that game. Um, he also has, of course, his fell beast, his mount, which he definitely uses as a weapon. Oh, yeah. 
Does it have a name? No, I think they're just called they just, yeah, fell beasts. They just call them fell beasts or f- like yeah. I'm not even sure they use the term explicitly fell beasts in the, yeah. in the in the novels. Although that is what they're called. Yeah. They just call them like giant winged creatures. Yeah, like bat like creatures. In fact, we're gonna have an excerpt where, we, where they explain it a little bit later. Yeah, we'll get into it. And uh, his probably his number one um one of the number one weapons is just his aura of fear. Like it breaks down your uh, your constitution right away. Right, yeah, something that all the ring wraiths have, but as we know, his is a little bit more uh, amped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys introduced the idea of the black breath to me earlier, right? And and that was super cool, kind of like a a disease of sorts. Yeah, it's almost like a magical infection. It's a malady, yeah, that is left behind by the uh, the presence of the Witch King. Yeah, it infects the host, and eventually they go kind of comatose. Yeah, it's not fun to have. The only thing that can bring them out is. Because you do eventually die of it, don't you? Right? If you if you just I think so, yeah, you'll just like. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really weird passive thing that he can do. Yeah. But then, of course, you've got all of his other sorcerer-like powers. Uh, I mean, other than the black breath and things like that, he's also known to do other magical shit. He's the Witch King. One example is the breaking of Frodo's sword with just a gesture of his hand. And, and, just, and that's a blade of Western S, friend. That was yeah, that was his blade of Western yeah. S. Yeah. yeah, that happened on Weathertop, right? Yes, on Weathertop. And also another example is weakening of the gates of Minas Tirith, allowing Gron to break them. Remember, he does some oogie magic on the fucking gate, right? Yeah, on the battering ram. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he like blesses it. Blesses it. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into a, a little more uh, history about about the Witch King here. So the first sighting of the Nazgul in Middle Earth was reported in Second Age, twenty two fifty one. And between 3434 and 3441, so this is right about the end of the Second Age, uh, the Witch King would lead Sauron's armies in the climactic war against the last alliance of elves and men. There's not much, uh, not sh- not too much information surrounding the Witch King during that time. But after the Dark Lord Sauron was eventually defeated and the One Ring cut from him, the Lord of the Nazgul disappeared and laid low for over 1,200 years. Yeah, after Sauron was gone at the end of that Second Age, uh, they all just had to kind of lay low. They couldn't really yeah. do too much without him. Yeah. So that brings us into the Third Age. Uh, so let's—he he definitely does a lot in the Third Age. I'd say the Witch King is is heavily a Third Age character. So let's start with one of the major Third Age events that includes the Witch King, the Fall of Arnor. In Third Age 1050, Sauron took physical form again and quietly moved into the fortress of Dol Guldur in southern Mirkwood. Sometime between 1272 and 1349, the Witch King arose in Angmar during the reign of Malvigil the Arthedain. Yeah, that's of the kingdom of Arthedain, um, because they split into three kingdoms at one point. I think we'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah, this is also when the Witch King gets the title The Witch King of Angmar. Oh, Angmar, yeah. Yeah, that's during this stint of time when he's got his capital up in Karndun. Yeah, remember Karndun Kush from that that's sketch right. we did? Yeah. That's right. Karndun Kush. That sketch. We'll release that sometime. No, uh, that was in the Christmas special. That's already, Oh, that was yeah. the Christmas. That was, that's already been, yeah, unfortunately, it's been released, yep. <laughs> yeah, so his capital was Karndun. Uh, in the northern northernmost peaks of the Misty Mountains. Yeah, up by Gundabad. Up by Gundabad there. Uh, and when he was up there, he summoned men, orcs, and other creatures of evil inclination to his banner. Although at this time, none of them knew that he was actually a servant of Sauron. They essentially just think he's trying to screw over these mannish kingdoms, and they're all down for it. At this time in the north, disunity plagued the Dunedain of Arnor. They had actually divided into three kingdoms, Cardolan, Rudaur, and Arthedain, and they were constantly at war with one another. Isn't that nice? 
Yeah, the Witch King saw that the North Kingdom of Arnor was more vulnerable than the South Kingdom of Gondor, so he began to send his own men into these regions undercover. And by Third Age 1349, the government of Rudaur, one of those three sub-kingdoms, Rudaur was controlled by men secretly in the Witch King's service, and he secretly aided them in their wars against the other kingdoms. So yeah. he's just basically fueling it's this a puppet, unity. Yeah, it's a puppet state at that point, too. It's an Angmar puppet state. Right. And then 60 years later, in 1409, the Witch King decided to strike during a time of great hostility among the three regions of Arnor. Yeah, Rudaur in the east uh, fell first, unfortunately. He was also, that's the closest one to... To Angmar itself, yeah. Stands to reason. Yeah, and most of the Dunedain there were hunted down and slaughtered by sorcerers. Yeah. Some real spooky-ooky shit. Yeah, what the fuck? They have like a a contingent of of warrior (laughs) sorcerers. They just have an infantry, like a... (laughs) Sorcerers, go destroy the Dunedain. That sounds like it would be fun to watch. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't like watching the Dunedain die because they're cool. I don't know, evil sorcerers. They do crazy stuff. I suppose. But uh, the region of Cardolan was ravaged and its last prince was slain. And the Tower of Amon Sul, which was held by the men of Arthedain, was placed under siege. And King uh, Arvigil I was slain and the tower was friggin' destroyed. But the coveted Palantir located there was taken by the men of Arthedain and brought to Fornos. Thank God. Yeah, the Witch King almost took over all of Arnor in this massive assault. But at this time, this is when... Arafor comes around. So the 18-year-old son of Arvaleg, Arafor, had just come to leadership and, with the help of Círdan of Lindan, Círdan the motherfucking ship, right? Shafted. Shafted. They repelled the Witch King's forces at Fornost and at the North Downs. Yeah, at the at the behest of Arafor, Elrond brought an army of elves from Rivendell, where else? And Lothlorien, of course. And the Witch King was pushed back and subdued for a while. The Witch King sat silent in Karn Doom, rebuilding his armies and preparing for the final assault on Arthedain, last of the Arnorian kingdoms. Yeah, but then after that, the Great Plague happens. Oh, womp, yeah. Womp. We love the Great Plague, right? Yeah, so around Third Age 1636, uh, this basically kills the last of the Dunedain in Cardolan. It's just Yeah, they all a- die from disease. It's sad. Yeah, the Witch King then sent Barrow Whites in to inhabit the Barrows in Tern Gorthad, and then in 1974, he felt that his power had uh, been sufficiently restored to begin a new attack. And so, that's exactly what he did. And his attack was sudden, but not wholly unexpected. No, our guy, uh, King Arvidui, unsung hero. Unsung. Had, uh, he had sent a message to King Aronel, his, uh, the second of Gondor, the year before. But help did not arrive in time. Yeah, despite having the foresight. Unfortunately, it takes a long time for messages to, to travel muster, yeah, and, and then to muster, muster troops, army. And then they always have to sail up the coast. You yeah, know? it takes, takes too long. He, so. he hung out there for over 300 years? Who? The Witch King. Yeah. Biding yeah, time. dude. Oh, yeah. He's a biter. Apparently. He, he, who, which, the Witch which King, King abides. Who, who, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so in early 1974, the Third Age, Fornos, along with the rest of Arthedain, fell to a full-scale invasion from Angmar, and most of its inhabitants were killed or driven over the loon. And this was all led by the fucking Witch King. Witch King now? <laughs> the Witch King took up residence in the, pla- in the uh, palace at Fornos just to kind of be a dick. Yeah, he was like, oh, I'll set up here, why not? 
Arvidui held out as best as he could on the North Downs, but eventually had to flee north to the ice bay of Forshell. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we know, Arvidui unfortunately does not ever return from the ice bay at Forshell. He dies in a shipwreck in the year 1975 uh, with the Palantir along with him. And that was lost forever in the icy seas. Yeah, two of them. Two of them, that's right. He had two of them with him. Mm -hmm. And after his death, Arnor fell, and the already diminished North Kingdom completely ended and was no more. But meanwhile, a coalition in the south had formed. Uh, Earnil sent his son, Earnur, north with a great fleet of all Gondor could spare. And they arrived at Linden and joined with the folk of Círdan. The motherfucking shipwreck. Shafted. You want to do a shafted, Trevor? Shafted. Shafted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Círdan summoned all that would come. He called surviving Dúnedain of Arnor, if there were any. Yeah, some of them fled south. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During uh, the, yeah. yeah, he also called on the elves of Lindon, and he even got a company of hobbit archers. Yeah. Because at this point, this is uh, after hobbits had officially moved into the Shire area. Yeah, the hobbits are, um, yeah, they're a, uh, a vassal state of the uh, Northern, of the Northern Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. But as we know, unfortunately, this massive force, they arrived in Lindon too late. And they were told that they were too late to save Orthodane. It had all already fallen to the Witch King. However, the folk of Círdan believed that the Witch King had become overconfident now that he had all three kingdoms in his hand, and they thought they could still bring his ass down. Because he hasn't really, like, made a foothold yet. He just kind of stormed the place. Yeah, you he, know? T- he just took them all. Yeah. Yeah, so they decide to attack the Witch King where he is, at Farnos, the yeah. last place he had taken. And because the Witch King had grown overconfident, it was true, instead of staying behind in his stronghold and playing the defense card... Yeah, didn't want to get sieged. Yeah, he decided uh, he was going to initiate the attack, and he decided to go on offense. Bad move. And in 1975 of the Third Age, the Battle of Fornost was fought on the plain between Nanuiel and the North Downs. The Alliance gained the upper hand, and the Witch King's army began to fall back toward Fornost. But Aranor's horsemen struck from the north, and the Witch King was defeated and forced to retreat. Yeah, this is when the Witch King decides to flee to Angmar for the safety of Karn Doom. Karn Doom! Yeah, but the cavalry there with Aaron Neuer, uh, they overtook him. Then the ranks of the allies swelled, and an army of the elves of Rivendell come up led by Glorfindel. Yeah! Glorfindel! Yeah! Angmar was purged of men and orcs, and uh, all seemed lost for the Witch King. Yeah, thought he was done. But uh, the Witch King himself comes forth at the last, robed and masked in black and riding on his black horse, and he attempts to kill Aranor himself. He just comes riding up out of the dark. Yeah, and Aranor's horse panicked and threw him to the ground, and the Witch King laughed. Ha ha ha. Yeah, he laughs and makes fun of him. But then Glorfindel comes up on his white horse, and the Witch King takes off, of course. Yeah, he sees that, and he's like, oh, I'm out. And he, yeah, vanishes into the shadow, and no one marked where he went. Yeah, he's got just kind of that weird Batman magic. He's just, no one knows. And Aranor, as we know, he wanted to pursue him, but Glorfindel holds him back and makes his famous prophecy, you know, quote, you will not return to this land far off yet is, is his doom, and not by the hand of man will he fall. You know, that, that famous prophecy that ends up getting uh, fulfilled when Eowyn is the one that kills him? Yes, of course. When a woman and uh, assist by the Hobbit, mm-hmm. they take him down once and for all. Yeah, refer back to our prophecies episode, Doom Trilogy Part Two. Yeah, it was like a, a destined death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glorfindel made it a prophecy. Mm-hmm. So at this point, though, although the Witch King was defeated, 
he's still completed his mission, ultimately, of bringing down the Dunedain kingdoms of the north and ending the line of royalty in Eriador. Uh, it's true. I mean, he may have lost this last battle at Fornos, but yeah. he, de- he destroyed the northern yeah, kingdom. Yeah, the damage was done, yeah. So at this point, the Witch King decides to return to Mordor, and the rest of the Nazgul also go back to Nord- Mordor and just kind of lay low upon the arrival of their leader. Yeah, hang out in Mordor. Seems to be a recurring theme here. Yeah, let's go hang out in Mordor and just and just and just wait for things to die down. Yeah, and this kind of brings us into the point of the Third Age. We're kind of preluding the War of the Ring. Yeah. Yeah. While the Nazgul were regrouping in Mordor, Sauron was still in Dol Guldur, disguised as the Necromancer. Necromancer. In Sauron's absence, the Nine Ring Wraiths rebuilt the Dark Forces of Mordor, so everything will be ready upon the return of the Dark Lord. What a bunch of good servants! Wow, look at that. Was so nice of them. Yeah, they, they gathered orcs and they made their weapons and an army. They did a lot of shit, man. They, <laughs> I mean, now that like I, I don't know, everyone gives uh, Sauron credit, but you know, it's kind of his uh, Nazgul <laughs> pulling things together here. It really is. Yeah, they're the most exploited of the workforce. I'd say <laughs> they're the middle management. <laughs> yeah, they're middle management. They're the most exploited rung of the workforce. <laughs> oh, that's funny. In uh, so in uh, Third Age two thousand, the forces of the Nazgul, led by the Witch King, laid siege to Minas Ithil. Yeah, the Tower of the Moon. Mm-hmm. And in the Third Age uh, 2002, after two years of siege, the city finally falls and is transformed into the City of Evil. And uh, with its Palantir, they're also falling into the hands of Sauron. That's pretty important, because this is where Sauron essentially gets the Palantir yeah. that he actively uses mm-hmm. throughout the War of the Ring. Yep. With Minasithil Ithil now serving the Dark Lord, it was the, the name was, uh, it was renamed Minas Morgul, which means the Tower of Dark Sorcery. Yeah, this is when it becomes the city of the Ringwraiths and the Witch King's new fortress. He posts up hard. And isn't this also when, like, the city starts glowing like a deathly hue? Yeah, it starts, yeah, it gives off, like, a pale glow. Like, I think the city used to glow Because it used to reflect the the moonlight, The moonlight, yeah, yeah. But now it was, like, a deathly light. Yeah. A corpse light, I think it was described. Gross. Imagine that as some kind of green haze. Yeah. Yes. That's how they portrayed it in the movie, too. I really mm-hmm. like how Minus Morgul is portrayed in the movie. Very well done. Looks spooky. I remember when they did the ice castle in St. Paul. You remember the ice castle for the the uh, Winter Carnival or whatever? They built. Oh, yeah. Fucking... I've been to a few of those. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I remember they had one, and I was like, this is like right when Lord of the Rings came out. And it, it, they would, uh, you know, the lights turn at different colors or mm-hmm. whatever. And it turned green, and I was like, it looked just like fucking Minus Mortal. It was awesome. The ground begins to shake. Yeah. The Witch King has come. And so, in Third Age, 2043, nearly 40 years later, during Aranor's coronation, the Witch King sent a message that taunted Aranor and challenged him to a combat. Uh, Mardil, a steward of Gondor, restrained Aranor from falling into the Witch King's trap, and Aranor refused the challenge. Yeah, good on him. Don't fall for that petty shit. But don't give him too much credit, because <laughs> seven years later, it just, it, it could he couldn't he couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't stay away. And in 2050 of the Third Age, the Witch King sent, sent a second challenge, mocking Aranor for his cowardice. And Aranor's pride prevented him from actually backing out the second time. So he accepts the challenge. He accepts the challenge. Yeah, and the King of Gondor rides to Minas Morgul to combat the Witch King. And as we all know, that doesn't end up going well. Uh, King Aranor was never seen again after that. And uh, this moment ends the line of Gondorian kings permanently, or at least until... 
tell the Invinitar, the Renewer, right? Yeah, Lord or King Elisar. Uh, Elisar. Yeah, yeah. The line of Anarian is permanently is uh is temporarily broken down there. Yeah. So this is the beginning of the stewards of Gondor. Yeah, and everybody, guess what? Now we have time for something special. There's a reason why Trevor is here, and here's uh, and you know he does uh, he helps us out with this a lot. Well, this isn't the only reason. Trevor's well, no, because it's a cool guy. I like hanging out with him. Friend, I like hanging out with him. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do another uh, long-awaited Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. That's right. The return of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. Which uh, Trevor so cleverly pointed out is um, actually an acronym, MINTERD. So we're going to uh, start kind of referring to it as MINTERD. Here on KOT, we've got MINTERD. MINTERD. And uh, we're, it's going to be about what you just heard about. <laughs> Yeah, so our Tolkien, uh, Minnesota Tolkien radio drama today, courtesy of Mr. Danny, thank you. Yeah, thanks, hopefully you like it. Is about the scene we just kind of went over where the Witch King taunts Aranur into fighting him. Mm-hmm. For it was now in the 20th century of the Third Age that the North Kingdom of the Dunedain had fallen to the Witch King of Angmar. Prince Aranur is sent from Gondor to either aid or avenge the North Kingdom. The prince talks to his men, preparing them for battle. Oh, yeah, I tell you what, you guys. We are really going to show them what's what, you know. We're going to get in there and uh, really give them a rough time, you know. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, hey, yes. yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. We'll really give it to them. When Ernor and his men reach the North Kingdom, it has already fallen. They are totally furious. Now, what the freak is this here now? Hey, this is some real not-so-good stuff here. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no good. Jeez. Oh, uh, for Pete's sake. Oofta. Oofta. Aranur and his men resolve to cleanse the north of Witch King's forces. Uh, what do you say, guys? I say we really uh, show them what's what, hey? I say uh, show them where to bear shit in the woods, yeah? Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, Let's do go. it. Oh, it's rock and roll, guys. Hey, yeah. The battle was long and fierce. Many were slain, but finally the Witch King was defeated. But as he went, was in retreat, he came forward himself to confront Aranur. Oh, if it isn't that pretty prince from Gondor, hey? Bet you don't like so much what I did to your northern buddies here so much, yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, guess what, hey? We got some of your buddies here, too, you know what I mean? If you can be buddies with so many friggin' orcs, if you know what I mean? That's just gross. You know what I hear is gross? Is your mom's hot dish. Who puts baby corn in hot dish anyways, you know what I mean? Hey, listen here, dingus. My mom's hot dish is great. Just ask any of my men here. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, real good. Real good. Real good, yeah. Baby corn is pretty good, hey? Oh, you must be awful tough eating all that baby corn and whatnot. Why don't you come fight me? Make your mama proud, you know? Ooh. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. How about it, tough guy? You want to go? Let's go. Nobody talks bad about my mom's hot dish and nobody gets away with it. Let's go, hey. Yeah, bring it on, tough guy. Aranor spurred his horse and charged straight at the Witch King. But then, just as the two were about to meet in battle, Aranor's horse strayed away, losing heart. Aranor was flung from the saddle and dragged by the stirrups. The Witch King howled in laughter and turned and rode away. Oh, god darn it, friggin' horse! Oh, jeez, making me look like a jerk out here! Neither the Witch King nor Aranor forgot that humiliation that day in the north. Many years after the battle, Aranor had returned home to Gondor and was now to be crowned king. 
After his coronation, a strange messenger came out of Minas Ethel to taunt the king with the words of the Witch King. Aranor could hear the voice of the Witch King as the messenger read aloud a letter. Greeting to the new king from your neighbor. We just moved into your old city and everything is just super duper. We are changing a lot of stuff, but we gotta make it our own, you know. Anyways, I was just thinking, maybe if you weren't too full of your mama's hot dish, that you might want to try and finish what we started up north. You know what I mean? Unless you want to keep sitting on your high tower eating baby corn. Oh, jeez. Friggin' Witch King. Friggin' hate that guy, you know, hey? I just got a mind to ride down there and give him a real rough time, you know what I mean? It was only by the wise counsel of his steward that the new king was stayed. Though his hatred burned ever hotter, the new king did not respond to the tauntings of his enemy. For now it was years later, when again a messenger came from fallen Minas Ethel. Again, Aranor heard the voice of the Witch King. Hey there, pretty prince, how you been? I missed seeing you last time around. I hope you got my last letter. Maybe we're just too busy celebrating our new crown by throwing back a couple of hams and having some of your mom's hot dish. Well, I've been thinking. I really think we ought to finish that business from up north, you know. Really give it a go. I'm sure you won't choke like the Vikings in the postseason like you did last time, you know. Come on down. You know where I am. If you're not too much of a wussy, that is. Sincerely, the Witch King. Oh, this friggin' guy. You gotta be kidding me, gold darn it. I wish we never would have. I wish we would have settled this up north. Oh, jeez, I can't believe this friggin' guy. Well, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna go down there and really give him a rough time. Show him where the bear shit in the woods, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Hey, let's friggin' go. Erinur and a small band of valiant warriors rode then to Minas Ethel. When they arrived, the city was silent. The gates stood closed and shrouded in shadows. All right, hey. Here I am, bud. Let's friggin' do this, hey. What are you waiting for? You some kind of wuss or something? Just then, the gates opened. No one appeared but a small object rolling along the stone came to rest at Aranor's feet. When he looked down, he saw a single can of baby corn. Aw, oh, jeez, gall darn it, I'm so friggin' tired of this. All right, boys, let's friggin' go. Aranor and his men rode into the city. The gates closed behind them, and they were never seen or heard from again. And so passed Aranor, the last and childless king of Gondor. Yay, there it was, guys. Hope you enjoyed Minturd. The baby corn. <laughs> yeah, I just love, yeah, baby corn. And now I can't think of, like, I really want to make a hot dish with baby it corn. Actually in it actually sounds pretty good. I it sounds try. pretty good, yeah. I was just thinking of something that, like, might horrify somebody not from the Midwest, you know? Baby corn. Like baby corn, yeah. I don't know if other people eat that or whatever. That's, that'd be so good in a hot dish, though. Let's do it, you guys. After this, let's make a hot dish. Make a baby corn hot dish. We got it. Yeah, you know how, like, all dwarves can start a fire wherever? All Minnesotans can make a hot dish whenever. Like, out, oh, of, yeah. out of just whatever you have. Uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. I've yeah. seen Joel do it. Yeah, he, Joel makes a mean fucking hot dish, y'all. Oh, tater, tater tot hot dish, my favorite. Joel's tater tot hot dish is fantastic. Well, hey, let's jump back into uh, a little bit more, a little bit about the Witch King. <laughs> Enough about hot dish here. <laughs> Enough about hot dish. I hope you enjoyed that Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. Yeah, we enjoyed doing it. Thanks, guys. And thank you to Trevor for doing those narrations. Always a good time. So jumping back in with the Witch King here. So in the Third Age, 2063, this is when Gandalf started investigating the necromancer in Dol Guldur, who we know 
is secretly Sauron. And because of this, Sauron is forced to leave Dol Guldur and lay low in the east, out in Mordor. And with Sauron going into hiding once more, the Nazgul also had to lay low in Minas Morgul. Yeah, and this is when Middle-earth was finally at peace for over 400 years. Yay! Oh, I said he laid low in Mordor. I, I apologize. I meant like out east past Mordor. Yeah, he goes out to the land of the Easterlings and whatnot. God knows where that is. Uh, but as it stands, peace never lasts. By uh, 2941, the investigations of Gandalf had confirmed that the necromancer in Dolgador was, in fact, Sauron in disguise. And with his d- identity now revealed, Sauron returned to Mordor and reconstructed Beradur. Evil Tower. But by Third Age 2951, Sauron openly declared that he was back and started looking for the One Ring. Yeah, and this brings us up to what we know to be as the War of the Ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around Third Age 2980, this is when Gollum began serving Shelob in the mountains there outside of Mordor. Yeah, in the Pass of Kirithungal, right? Right, and so during this time when he's kind of in and out of Mordor, this is when he gets captured by the Nazgul, and Gollum is interrogated and reveals how the One Ring came into his possession and how he lost it to a hobbit with the name of Baggins. Baggins. I was thinking now. I, now I think of after Baggins. I think of two Bagginses. Now I think of Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. <laughs> hate Baggins. Hate Baggins. Remember that one when the ghost said, "Hate Baggins." <laughs> yeah. oh, ghost Hunter show. Oh my oh, god. Ghost hunting shows are so much fun. There isn't too. There isn't too much trash TV that I get into nowadays. But ghost hunting. I do like the ghost hunting oh, shows. Oh boy, is it fun. Yeah, atheists don't believe in ghosts at all. We'll watch them for hours. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, since Gollum was not a creature that had very clear thoughts, he kind of stammered and babbled, uh, Sauron misinterpreted his story and thought that hobbits resided near the Gladden River, which coincidentally is actually where hobbits originated from back in maybe the Second Age or so, but Mm -hmm. they're not there this time. Yeah, near the Rohirrim, remember? Because that's another... Weird link. Remember their words are similar and stuff? Yeah, Hobbit their language is, is, is uh, similar, yeah. Yeah, because they live in the Vale of the Anduin with them. Yeah, the Rohiric word for uh, Hobbit is Holbitla. Holbitla. Master Holbitla. Yeah. Now we're just... Now we're just... Now we're just getting into it, guys. Now we're just going on tangents. I'm so sorry. Trevor, keep us on task. Jesus what the Christ, fuck? dude. So, so what did Sauron do? <laughs> Sauron sent all the Nazgul to the banks of the Gladden River. Good job, That's Trevor. what Sauron did. Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> and uh, at the Gladden River, they found that the Shire is not there. <laughs> no, nope. it's nowhere near the Anduin. Nowhere near the Anduin at all. But uh, their search is, uh, gets interrupted when uh, Sauron informs them that they should probably go talk to Sauron the White about this. He might have some more information. Saruman convinced the Witch King that Gandalf was key to knowing where the Shire was, because Gandalf always be hanging out in the Shire. Yeah, how true he, how true that was. Yeah, the Nazgul then passed into Rohan to search for the wizard Gandalf. And in Rohan, this is where they met the traitor Grima Wormtongue. And they interrogate him as well. They just like interrogating people. Yeah. Worse, yeah, it's like bad cop, bad cop. There's just no, <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no way to win. Yeah, so Wormtongue was naturally terrified, and uh, he told them everything that he knew, which was quite a lot. He shared that Gandalf 
had passed through Rohan recently. He also re- revealed that Saruman was actually kind of a traitor towards Sauron because he, Saruman, actually wanted to find that one ring for himself. Damn, I didn't realize he's... The, I know this is in the Unfinished Tales, right? This uh, Yeah, some of this came from Unfinished Tales. Yeah, right? I remember reading this now. That shit blew my mind. I did not know that he blew, he blew Sauron's cover yeah. as a traitor. Rima Wormtong kind of yeah. threw Saruman under, under the, the bus. bus yeah. yeah. Isn't Saruman kind of working both sides, though? Right, yeah, but exactly. he's, yeah, he says he's subservient to Sauron, but he actually wants the ring for himself, and that's what Grima had told uh, Sauron, essentially. Hey, yeah, so he informed the Witch King, like, hey, by the way, Saruman's kind of yeah. playing both sides. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he also, Grima Wormtum, uh, he shared the location of the Shire. This Son of a bitch. is probably the worst thing that Grima Wormtongue did was basically tell the Nazgul where the Shire was. Yeah. And the Witch King then spares Grima Wormtongue because he basically figures that he's going to be useful for dealing with Saruman in the future. And he yeah, was, this guy's on the inside and he's easy to get yeah, to. He's <laughs> easy to manipulate, <laughs> yeah. easy to get to, and he knows stuff. And he was right. The Witching then divided the Nazgul into four pairs to catch up with Saruman's men. After the Nazgul caught Saruman's men, they were able to gather the charts and the maps of Middle-earth, including the Shire, that the men had in their possessions. Yeah, now they just got the whole layout. Uh, So with this, the Nazgul were able to search... Uh, this, uh, or excuse me, they were able to reach saw the Sarn Ford, but there they were prevented from crossing by the Dunedain Rangers. That yeah, everybody knows the Dunedain. Yeah, the Dunedain Guard Sarn Ford. Everybody knows that. Yeah, so the Rangers then at this point send word to their chief Aragorn, but uh, he's not able to make it in time before the Nazgul were able to capture the Ford and killed all the soldiers there. Damn, I didn't realize any of this shit. This is wild. Yeah, after this, the Witch King and the Azgul were finally able to catch up with Aragorn, Frodo, Sam, Merry, Pippin, and Weathertop. So they just got done slaying a bunch of Dunedain Rangers. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, I think this. Is, I think they slayed the Dunedain Rangers on their way into the Shire area. Damn. And then they figured out that Sam and Merry left, and then that's they caught up to them. Yeah. Next at Weathertop. Yes. Trevor's going to tell us a little bit about Weathertop. So uh, on October sixth. Third Age, 3019. The Witch King and four other Nazgul ambushed Frodo and company at Weathertop. The Witch King was able to wound Frodo with a Morgul knife in an attempt to turn Frodo into a wraith. A wraith like them. And uh, after the attack, the Nazgul back off to allow the Morgul knife time to do its work. Unfortunately for them, Frodo is able to endure the wound for two whole weeks until they reach Rivendell. Yeah, they kind of figured they just, their strategy was like, why fight them head on with a ranger there if they can just stab him and stab lay, and leave <laughs> yeah. and, and you know lay back for he'll a while. come to us <laughs> yeah but no hell no frodo's tough as fuck and, and on their way to rivendell the nazgul lose the company for a time uh, but they find him again as they're about to cross the ford of bruinen yeah famous scene yeah and at the ford frodo escapes across the river initially only the witch king and two other ring wraiths are, ba- are brave enough to enter the water the rest are eventually driven into the river by glorfindel and aragorn with torches yeah, apparently they hate fire more than they hate water. Apparently. Yeah, and Elrond, as we know, creates a huge flood that destroys the Nazgul's physical form and killed their horses, causing them to have to retreat to Mordor for the time being. They had to go get more cloaks in Mordor. Gotta get more, gotta get more cloaks, gotta oh, get more wee snaws. Oh, I need another cloak, I'm naked. <laughs> After the loss of their horses, Sauron gave the Nazgul winged creatures to be their new mounts. 
the lesser eight Nazgul, were sent out to do minor missions, while the Witch King resumed his role as commander in Minas Morgul. Fetch missions. Yeah, basically. That's what they have to do. Yeah, like, this, this is when the Witch King basically aids Sauron in preparations for their coming invasion of Gondor. Uh, when Sauron fell, they were uh, they were ready. The gates of Morgul opened, and he rode out on a black horse at the head of the army. Yeah, the Witch King then led Saruman's army in the Battle of Oskiliath against the rangers of Faramir. They got to get across the river before they can get over to Pelennor and to Minas Tirith. Yeah, but Faramir's forces were una- were uh, they were unable to hold back the enemy of orcs, and the terrifying presence of the flying Nazgul intimidated his men, as it should. Yeah, yeah, Faramir had no choice but to retreat and pull back his troops all the way to Minas Tirith. And uh, during this affair was when Faramir gets hit by a black dart and is infected with the black breath. No! And this brings us all the way up to the infamous Battle of Pelennor Fields. Trevor, take us into the battle! So after their retreat, Sauron was pleased. Many felt that he could destroy Minas Tirith. He sent the Haradrim, Easterling, and Orc forces to the gates of Minas Tirith. And his forces numbered about 200,000. Damn. Yeah, that's a fucking force. To, uh, to lead this massive assault, Sauron gave the Witch King even more power and strength. Upgrade. Yeah, the Witch King led the army on a black horse, and the sight and presence of the Witch King alone was said to strike fear not only into his enemies, but also into his allied forces around him. And we've got a little excerpt about this from The Return of the King, The Siege of Gondor, read by Trevor. It is now seen that in secret they have long planned the assault, but it is the black captain that defeats us. Few will stand and abide, even the rumor of his coming. His own folk quail at him, and they would slay themselves at his bidding. Pure terror. I, l- I also love how it's, like we were just talking, it strikes fear into the allied soldiers too. Yeah. Everybody. Could you imagine like if you were just like rank and file soldier from Harad, like you joined up with the military so you could get free school <laughs> and you like, you know, you're just like all of a sudden you're in Mordor and you're like following orders from this like ghost on a horse. You're just like, <laughs> what? what the fuck is going on here? Like I'm out of here. Yeah. This guy, he's, he's fucking, he's clearly evil. Yeah, dude. Clearly evil. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm clearly on the wrong side of this one, I think. Like, on their approach, the Witch King commands them to catapult flaming debris and decapitated heads into the city. Yeah. Just uh, preemptively. Heads just, as projectiles. Yes. Yeah, from yes. the people that they just killed uh, at Askelius. Yeah, so they yeah. had they had to uh, have a fight at Askelius to cross the river first. Every soldier that died at Askelius, they cut their heads off brought them with and catapulted them into the city like here you go yep here's your soldiers from the city that we just destroyed that part in the book is horrific it was like talking about how sometimes you'd come across one that you recognized and shit yeah and it just describes their faces as being distorted clearly having died in pain yeah super metal fucked up yeah i I remember when they did that in the movie because i hadn't read the book at the time i was like there's no way that's in the book they must have added that yeah dude i feel like shit's in the book dog yeah no that's in the book dude it it is dark and i feel like that's just a little witch king flair yeah just Just a little little, i'm here i'm here here you go this isn't just any assault it's a witch king assault well when they reached the gates of minas tirith the witch king sent out grand an enchanted battering ram Witch King started saying an incantation in a language no one recognized. It was a spell that enhanced the damage of the battering ram. And by the third ram, Gron hits the gates, and the gates shattered with a flash of fire. And uh, we have an excerpt from Danny about this. 
A deep boom rumbled through the city like a thunder running in the clouds, but the doors of iron and posts of steel withstood the stroke. Then the black captain rose in his stirrup and cried aloud in a dreadful voice, speaking in some forgotten tongue words of power and terror to rend both heart and stone. Thrice he cried, thrice the great ram boomed, and suddenly upon the last stroke the gates of Gondor broke. As if stricken by some blasting spell, it burst asunder. There was a flash of searing light, and the doors tumbled in riven fragments to the ground. Super metal. Intense as fuck. Yeah, dude. So when the Witch King entered the gates, the defenders inside ran away. His dark presence alone was enough to instill terror in their hearts. Only uh, only Gandalf the White and Shadowfax were able to withstand the Witch King's terror. Gandalf and Shadowfax. Yeah. The Witch King mocked Gandalf's bravery for foolishness and drew his sword and instantly lit it up with flames. Yeah. I always imagine the reverse flames. Yeah, it's cute. Gandalf was ready to battle the Witch King, but their combat was interrupted by the horns of Rohan. Oh, no. We never got to see it. But this is uh, one of our, this is probably one of our most used excerpts of all time. And it's a long one. But Joel's going to read it for us. In rode the Lord of the Nazgul, a great black shape against the fires beyond he loomed up, grown to a vast menace of despair. In rode the Lord of the Nazgul, under the archway that no enemy ever yet had passed, and all fled before his face, all save one. There waiting, silent and still in the space before the gate, sat Gandalf upon Shadowfax. Shadowfax, who, al- who alone among the free horses of the earth endured the terror, unmoving, steadfast, as a grave image in Rathdinan. You cannot enter here, said Gandalf, and the huge shadow halted. Go back to the abyss before you. Go back. Fall into the nothingness that awaits you and your master. Go. The black rider flung back his hood, and behold, He had a kingly crown, and yet upon no head visible was it set. The red fires shone between it and the mantled shoulder, vast and dark. From a mouth unseen there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said, old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death when you see it? Die now and curse in vain. And with that, he lifted high his sword, and flames ran down the blade. Gandalf did not move, and in that very moment, away behind in some courtyard of the city, a cock crowed, shrill and clear he crowed, reckoning nothing of wizardry or war, welcoming only the morning that in the sky far above the shadows of death was coming with the dawn. And as if in answer, there came from far away another note, horns, horns, horns. In the dark Mandalawan sides there dimly echoed, great horns of the north wildly blowing. Rohan had come at last. But it was no orc chieftain or brigand that led the assault upon Gondor. The darkness was breaking too soon, before the date that his master had set for it. Fortune had betrayed him for the moment, and the world had turned against him. Victory was slipping from his grasp, even as he stretched out his hand to seize it. But his arm was long, he was still in command, wielding great powers. King, Ringwraith, Lord of the Nazgul, he had many weapons. He left the gate and vanished. Uh, which king was that? Which, which one? <laughs> We're talking about kings? <laughs> kings who? What? 
<laughs> Who's on first? Uh, the presence of more enemies caused the Witch King to withdraw from his confrontation with Gandalf and give new orders to Sauron's army. Yeah, so the Witch King had to dip out to go rally his army against the Rohirrim. And uh, Rohan's army was slowed down, unfortunately, when the Mumakil blocked their charge. They get attacked by the giant Oliphants. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, this attack by the Oliphants delayed their approach just enough to allow the Witch King an open strike on King Theoden. Uh, Trevor, did you know that over 40 elephants were killed during the making of Return of the King? That's a joke, right? No, that's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that's no, a, that's no, a that's false. Okay, that's that would right. be absurd. They're CGI, Trevor. They're not real elephants. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. For a second there. <laughs> you should have saw the look on his face, guys. He was like, oh, my God. 40? Like, they're, 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 damn, near, they're damn near extinct, and you killed <laughs> yeah, 40 of them? That's a lot of them. <laughs> So this brings us to that infamous scene with Theoden and the Witch King and Eowyn and that we know kind of uh, ultimately leads to the Witch King's demise. Oh yeah, the Witch King, he flew above the battle with his fell beast and he drove toward, then drove down towards King Theoden. Yeah, the horses and men around King Theoden panicked and fled as the Witch King approached. And we've got an excerpt here about this scene read by Trevor. Yeah, this is from Return of the King. Book 5, Chapter 6, Battle of Pelennor Fields, one of the best chapters of any book ever written. But lo, suddenly in the mists of glory of the king his golden shield was dimmed. The new morning was blotted from the sky. Dark fell about him. Horses reared and screamed. Men cast from the saddle lay groveling on the ground. To me, to me, cried Theoden. Up, Eorlingus, fear no darkness. But Snowmane, wild with terror, stood up on high, fighting with the air. And then, with a great scream, he crashed up on his side. A black dart had pierced him. The king fell beneath him. The great shadow descended like a falling cloud, and behold, it was a winged creature, if bird, then greater than all other birds. And it was naked, and neither quill nor feather did it bear. And its vast pinions were as webs of hide between horned fingers. And it stank. Upon it sat a shape, black-mantled, huge, and threatening. A crown of steel he bore, but between rim and robe, naught was there to see, save only a deadly gleam of eyes, the lord of the Nazgul. To the air he had returned, summoning his steed ere the darkness failed, and now he was come again, bringing ruin, turning hope to despair, and victory to death, a great black mace he wielded. Okay, I just got to say, this is one of my favorite quotes for several reasons. Um, one of my favorite excerpts ever. Um, because Tolkien is so descriptive of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And when he's describing this fell beast that he landed, it's got quill nor feathers. And by the way, dot, 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 it, it stank. <laughs> and it stank. <laughs> and it stank. It's like its own sentence. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah uh, <laughs> neither quill nor feather did it bear. Semicolon and it stank. Yeah. Pins were vast webs. Oh, man. Yeah, I just love that. Just that so you stank. know, guys, this thing smelled like shit, dog. And that really also just kind of adds to the scene. Like, just imagining yeah, this like, disgusting uh, creature and the fact the, that it yeah. smells bad. It too. smells bad, just stinking up the battlefield like it already doesn't smell bad enough. Yeah, terrifying. Got dead elephants everywhere and fucking shit. I, f I feel like that's probably a, an aroma you could pick out from all the other ones, too. Just yeah, yeah, definitely. Stinky lizards. Stinky lizards. <laughs> Stinky winged Bird lizard thing. Ugh. Yeah, so naturally, uh, King Theoden's horse, Snowmane, 
can't handle it. Jump kind of like nope's out. Nope's out. Kind of like beats its front legs in the air, gets hit by a black dart, and falls on the king, crushing him and trapping him under the horse. Yeah. And uh, as the witch king hovered over thing, King Theoden, Eowyn and Mary Brandybuck intervened. And we got a fantastic excerpt by Joel here about that. And it's going to be a long one, and it's going to be a great one. This is the last one of the episode, guys. It's a really good one. I, I, we couldn't, we just couldn't not quote a ton of this chapter because the Battle of Pelennor Fields is is just amazing. Yeah, it's so good. Like it's it's wall to wall action. Be gone, foul Dwimmer Lake, Lord of Carrion. Leave the dead in peace. A cold voice answered. Come not between the Nazgul and his prey, or he will not slay thee in thy turn. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation, beyond all darkness where thy flesh shall be devoured and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. A sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me, thou fool, no living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You are looking upon a woman. Eowyn am I, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you be not deathless, for living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. The winged creature screamed at her. But the ringwraith made no answer and was silent, as if in sudden doubt. Amazement for a moment conquered Mary's fear, and he opened his eyes. There, some paces from him, sat the great beast, and above it loomed the Nazgul Lord like a shadow of despair. A little to the left, facing them, stood whom he had called Durnhelm. But the helm of her secrecy had fallen from her, and her bright hair, released from its bonds, gleamed with the pale gold under her shoulders. Her eyes, gray as the sea, were hard and fell, and yet tears gleamed in them. Suddenly the great beast beat its hideous wings, and the wind of the and the wind of them was foul. Again it leaped into the air, and then swiftly fell down upon Eowyn, shrieking, striking with beak and claw. The outstretched neck she clove asunder, and the hewn head fell like a stone. Out of the reek rose the black rider, tall and threatening, towering above her, with a cry of hatred that stung the very ears like venom. He let fall his mace. Her shield was shivered and into many pieces, and her arm was broken. She stumbled to her knees. He bent over her like a cloud, and his eyes glittered. He raised his mace to kill. But suddenly, he too stumbled forward with a cry of bitter pain, and his stroke went wide, driving into the ground. Mary's sword had stabbed him from behind, shearing through the black mantle and passing up beneath the hauberk, and had pierced the sinew behind his mighty knee. Eowyn! Eowyn! cried Mary. Then tottering, struggling up with her last strength, she drove her sword beneath crown and mantle as the great shoulders bowed before her. The sword broke, sparkling into many shards. The crown rolled away with a clang. Eowyn fell forward upon her fallen foe. But lo, the mantle and hauberk were empty. Shapeless they lay now on the ground, torn and tumbled. And a cry went up into the shuddering air and faded to a shrill wailing 
passing with the wind, a voice, bodiless and thin, that died and was swallowed up and was never heard again in that age of this world. Damn, that shit's dope. I love that excerpt. So ends the Witch King of Angmar. Of course, of course. And what a fucking wild end, dude. <laughs> yeah, what an end, you guys. I love that scene so much. I just can't fingers. describe how much I love that Eowyn basically stabs him in the face. Yeah, dude. And they're sort of fucking explodes. Yeah, like, just... yeah so fucking good. Yeah, so that's in, in canon, that's how the Witch King dies. Mm-hmm. And, and Glorfindel, end. off in Rivendell, is eating pork rinds in his underwear, laughing. And he's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> There's that prophecy. <laughs> so, but something that I found uh, while we were putting this episode together, there is an alternative version where he does Ooh. not where he does not die here. So, in early versions of the story, the Witch King was actually planned to survive the Battle of Pelennor Fields and appear as the ambassador at the Black Gate instead of the Mouth of Sauron. Oh, which kind of make kind of makes sense. Sure. Um, and in early manuscripts, he even survived after Frodo had thrown the ring into the crack of doom, and apparently he would just uh, show up, blocking the door, exiting the black the the crack of doom, saying, "Quote: Here we all end together." Shit. That actually would have been really fucking cool. Would have been pretty crazy. Um, and then at this point, either Sam appears at his back and stabs him, or there was another version where Frodo commands him to follow the ring and leap into the chasm of fire. Hell yeah. Which is also pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, so Witch King, who was he? Yeah, we, we mentioned this earlier. Let's uh, Now that we've talked all about his life, let's uh, kind of touch on a little bit of who he could have been. So in the Middle-Earth role-playing game, he was named Heir Mirazor, a Numenorean prince. Though this is strictly non-canical. Of course, of course. Of course. Uh, in the Angband computer game, he was listed as Mirazor, the Witch King of Angmar. Also non-canical. Uh, canonically, uh, we only know that he was a Numenorean. Yeah, likely one of the three Numenorean lords or whatever that were originally... Recipients of the ring. Of the rings, yeah. But... Many theorize, I, I only found this out recently, many apparently in the Tolkien community theorize that the Witch King of Angmar could be a character known as Isilmo, a Numenorean prince and father of Tarminister. Oh, of course, Tarminister, very famous king, yeah. Yeah, so some evidence for this theory, basically the first thing is that the lifespan of Isilmo, the time that he was alive, basically lines up with him potentially becoming Lord of the Nazgul. He's, 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 he's alive at the right time. Um, Isilma was also the only Numenorean prince to be passed over for the scepter of Numenor in favor of his sister. Yeah, and this succession was actually made con in contrary to the Numenorean tradition. And all that was said about the circumstances was that it was made the law of the royal houses. Made a law of the royal houses. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's kind of vague, but this is, this happens at this point, and something that this may have been his motivation for Silmo to kind of stray from the path of light and become yeah, maybe and kind of go towards Sauron and in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, Asumo may have already passed over 
or excuse me, Isilma may have been passed over for the scepter due to him already being corrupt. Yeah, maybe he was already kind of fucked up and everyone was like, nah, not him. Yeah, he may have already been given the ring by Sauron and maybe that corruption is why they decided to pass over him and give the scepter to his sister. You know, it's there's, there, it's, there's, there's some possibility, but either way, this stuff kind of lines up. It would kind of make sense that this guy could end up being the Witch King. Yeah, it's possible that he had already even become a wraith by the time he should have come into his inheritance if he was given one of those rings. Right. So I, I thought that was really interesting. That was something I didn't know. Yeah, that's really cool. I'd never heard that theory before either. Isilmo, father of Tar Minasur. Yeah, great Numenorian lord. But uh, now that we've kind of talked about who the character could be in the legendary, let's just touch a little bit on the inspirations for the character. So an undead witch king named Brienne appears in the Hromandar saga, Gripsonar, a work of Norse mythology. A witch king also appears in Greek mythology, uh, Aetes of Colchis, who more resembles the witch king of Angmar. Hmm. However, the former was more likely an inspiration for Tolkien, as he fancied and studied northern mythologies much more than southern mythologies. So, like, Greek or Roman. Right, right. right exactly, yeah. I'm the opposite, uh, personally, but I, I yeah. would like to learn more about northern mythologies. Yeah, you are kind of into your Greek and your Roman, aren't you? I do love it, yeah. Percy yeah. Jackson, yo. <laughs> also, the prophecy that the Witch King would fall, quote, not by the hand of man, end quote, and uh, the fulfillment of that prophecy kind of on a technicality, you know, him being yeah. slain by <laughs> a hobbit and a woman rather than a man. Mm-hmm. It bears a striking resemblance to the prophecy regarding the uh, title character's death in Shakespeare's Macbeth. Oh, yeah. Our boy Macduff, right? I totally forgot about this. Yeah, dude. In Macbeth, it was foretold that uh, Macbeth would be slain, quote, not by man born of woman, end quote. And like you yeah, he's slain by Macduff, who was born via C-section. Yeah, I remember that from school. <laughs> <laughs> remember that from school. From school. Yeah, and we know Tolkien was very familiar with Mac- with Macbeth because uh, he reputedly had taken inspiration for the last March of the Ents from that same play. Wow, I love him. Um, uh, Macbeth is one of my favorites of, uh, of uh, Shakespeare's. Yeah, that, it's a it's a good tragedy. Yeah, good tragedy. You know, we like things that are good and sad. Yeah. So let's do some final thoughts. The Witch King of Angmar. He's the coolest. What do, what do you think, Danny? You like him? Yeah, he's the coolest. He's the spookiest of the ookiest of the trukiest. Yeah, I'd say he's probably one of the uh, one of the most powerful evil figures just outside of in Melkor fi- and like, Sauron. Well, yeah, in fiction in general, man. He's one of the scariest fucking villains ever. That's true. He is also quite scary. Yeah. Just in general. Trevor, you got any takeaways from the Witch King of Angmar? He seems to be a wraith of action. Yes, he he's very proactive, right? He's a man of he action. He seemed to have done a lot of things and then wait, and then do some more things, yeah. and then wait. Yeah, he seems like when he's doing things, he's pretty efficient. And yeah. I'm sure Sauron uh, He's likes efficient that. with his time. Yeah. Sauron is all about, uh, Sauron's all about efficiency oh, yeah. and you know streamlining things. He loves that shit. Well, yeah, so yeah, we, lear- we learned a lot about the Witch King in this episode, and we had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, we really like these excerpts. We're getting, I think we're getting a little better at him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been our season five mid-season finale, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. We had the the triumphant return of Minturd, which was fun. Minturd. Minturd. And uh, second half of season five will premiere on, uh, what is that, July 31st of 2022, guys. So like that's what we're 
we're we're aiming for right now. Yes. So, you know, only a short break and we will be back and we are so happy to be back making content with you guys. Yeah, and this is this whole uh, run is going to have one specific theme. Yeah, guys, part two, season five is going to be Rohirrim themed. Yeah, all Rohirrim, some rough riders. All about Rohan and the people of Rohan and the history there. There's going to be Because we figured we we don't cover them for shit on this podcast, so... What, we're on episode 61? 61, and we've never done... The only one we've ever done is Aowen. Yeah, yeah, we've done, uh, we've done almost no episodes... Or, you know, revolving around Rohiric people or yeah. Rohan or anything. So, so there's been a severe that. lack of Rohan content. Yeah. Representation matters, dudes. And we are going to make up for that next, you know, next run. Yeah. Rohan, here it comes. Here it comes. But thanks for listening to KOT Podcast and thanks to uh, Trevor, yeah, our guest. Thank you for our guest, Trevor. Thanks for coming today, man. Anytime, guys. It's always a pleasure. We always love it. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at KOT Podcast. If you want to follow me, I'm at Danny J, KOT. Um, and I'm not too active anymore, but, you know. <laughs> That's a hell of an endorsement. Follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash official. Keep on talking. And while you're there, don't forget to join the KOT Talk group and uh, ask us some questions, discuss with us, share some memes. We have some fun on that page. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever. Just go forward slash Keep On Tolkien. Stay up to date with all of our latest episodes. And please rate, uh, rate us or give us a review if you like us. If you don't, just, you know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> thank you for giving to the Patreon. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, to all of our patrons. Like we've mentioned before, it is really because of our patrons that we're even able to do this season of the podcast. At all. So if you want to check that out, do, go www.patreon.com slash KOT podcast. Yeah, keep up to date with uh, some extra content that you get on there. Yeah, because we are still in it. It just kind of helps support us because KOT is still a 100% DIY podcast still coming out of our pockets and donations help so goddamn much. Yeah, every penny every every penny counts. It really helps, yes. and uh, it it really just helps us bring you new great content with the same level of quality that you expect. And uh, like we mentioned, subscribing on Patreon can also unlock some exclusive content. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some people have been asking us recently about private one-time donations. If they they just want to like, oh yeah, throw us a little money for, for funsies and for say a thank you. Absolutely, we do that. Um, if yeah, that's really if you don't want to do so, subscribing with Patreon, yeah. just shoot us an email or a message on social media, and we'll make it happen. There's all kinds of ways to do it. Yeah. But well, that's about everything we've got for you today, guys. I'm Danny J. I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And as always, keep on talking. Trevor, you want to do the Aure today? Aure and Tulava. Yeah, yeah. Four. <laughs>